Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey everybody, happy Monday. Welcome to Edgework on the Hammer Betting Network. You can catch uh, us uh, every Monday morning at uh, 10.30 Eastern and Edgework runs on the Hammer Betting Network and on the uh, Edgework YouTube channel Monday through Friday. I'm Andrew Walker uh, from the Hedge Podcast uh, up in Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, Joe Madden, as always, joins us from Calgary from Joe Madden Sports and Zach Phillips. Uh, you can catch him uh, hosting Edgework on Thursday and Friday on the Hammer Betting Network. What's up, guys? Not much. Uh, basically have to deal with the ups and downs of being a Leafs fan at this point, where when they lose, you feel like shit, and when they win, you feel like shit as well. So uh, trying to convince yourself, like, hey, there's still a chance that this team can win a cup, uh, even though they barely squeak one out against the Canucks. So it's basically just riding the ups and downs of that right now. I saw this. Uh, I saw. I can't remember who tweeted it, but basically it was like to sum up Leafs fandom, you know, here we are, 16, 17 games in. Um, there's been about four points in the season where uh, the Leafs organization and the fans and the players, it looked like, you know, impending doom. It looked like everyone was just panicking and everything was going to implode uh, horrifically. And uh, then, they, you know, they win a few games, and then you look at the standings and guess where they are? Pretty much in that same 2-3 spot to yeah. face the Tampa Bay Lightning or the yeah. Boston Bruins in round one. It is just like it's the never-ending cycle. We all know how this is going to end, and probably with the first-round playoff loss, but that's, uh, you know, that's a, story. That's, a, that's a debate for another day. Yeah, and then you also get the people in there who will just be – all over they win against the canucks and it's like i told everyone to calm down it's only november and then there's the other side of it who at the same game from the same things that everyone else saw happen are also reacting being like there's no shot blow it up it's done so it's just like you just got to find the con the middle ground and just let's ride this out yeah i mean not not to get too deep into leafs joe but i uh if you know if you're like if you're like me uh, I do got to say, uh, Saturday night and the Hall of Fame game and honoring Boria Salming, that was that was awesome, yeah. man. Not a not a dry on the house, dry eye in the house, and man, hard hard to keep uh, hard to keep the tears out of your eyes sitting on the couch too. Yeah, I, the tears were filling my eyes. Absolutely, it was such a moving moment watching that. Um, I really was hoping that we would see that game play out a little bit different than we did, just because of that ceremony. But it was definitely definitely a great night. All right, so it was a crazy weekend, uh, and it's interesting to look at the standings. Uh, lots of takeaways uh, to get to. Uh, Joe, your Calgary Flames, you know, finally get out of that losing skid. Um, man, they, they weren't even playing that bad, and still they dropped seven in a row, but they beat Winnipeg on Saturday night. So, you know, what was your takeaway from the weekend as a whole, Joe? You know what? Really looking at the scheduling, um, we saw the Sharks win two big games. We saw them win over the Dallas Stars. That was Friday night. When we looked at the Dallas Stars' schedule, it just looked fishy to me. We even had Ottinger coming in. They've just returned from a short road trip, and then we're hitting the road again. So looking at those spots for those dogs, where they have the ability to get the win, we saw the Sharks then do it again to the Minnesota Wild. 
who themselves were returning from a road trip and then hitting the road, not again till Thursday. But I think we have to look at those dogs in the situations because they're able to pull off these wins against teams that maybe are looking a little bit ahead. Well, and, and a couple of thoughts on the Sharks. Uh, I mean, it's hard not to be impressed with Eric Carlson right now. He's just yeah. turned back the clock and, and talk about a guy that runs on confidence. This guy's getting two points a night and is handling the puck more than anyone in the NHL right now. Um, I think it was against that Stars game where you saw him just, you know, walking the blue line and putting it through guys' legs, just yeah. filled with confidence. And, man, Timo Meyer has taken another step, too. That guy is all over right now. Yeah, I mean, Eric Carlson, uh, what he's been able to do so far this season has been nothing short of incredible, given that basically it looked like he'd gone to San Jose to just, like, waste away the rest of his time in the NHL getting a tan out there. Yeah. But... This guy, see, I don't know where you guys stand on this. So, Andrew, I would be curious, and Joe, your opinions on like, what do the what do the Sharks do with him now? Because that team is not going to be competing for a playoff spot. They're not very good. You kind of talked to me ahead of time about like the race for Bedard and where who might be in that. I kind of was of of the opinion that the Sharks might be in that position where they would be looking at uh, maybe a push for Bedard, but. If you've got a guy on the back end, like you traded away Burns, now you've got a guy on the back end who there who is looking like he might be one of the best defensemen in the league. Your really only hindering factor with him is the fact that he's making eleven and a half mil a year for the next few years. But it's just like that could be a piece that maybe a team at the at the deadline gets desperate or something and makes a call to San Jose. Yeah, I I don't know. I I think um, I mean fully impressed with what Eric Carlson has done, but eleven and a half this year, and then the next four years, that's, that's eaten up fourteen percent of the cap. And you know the, the deal that's really bad is is Mark Edward Vlasic, who you know for this year and three more is making seven. You know, I I think that not that not that Carlson went there to waste away, like you said, um, <laughs> but I but I but I do think his days of like getting dealt in a in a, in a blockbuster somewhere are over. And despite his unbelievable start and good for him, uh, you know, the Sharks are still uh, five, nine and three. They've won five yeah. of 17 games and they sit, um, you know, they're going to be in, in the lottery conversation anyway. So I, I think we just need to appreciate Carlson for what he's doing, but I, I just don't see a scenario where, um, you know, he he ends up you know doing what he's doing now in Tampa it was it would be like uh it'd be interesting if he was a free agent but he's not even close to that yeah I mean fair enough and just looking at 11 and a half mil is just that is a pretty uh it's a pretty cringy factor if you're a well, GM you know what he's doing right you know what he's doing right now he's earning he's earning his money rather yes. than being a complete <laughs> albatross so you know it's hard to separate players from contracts right yeah. you can there's a difference between a bad player and a bad contract so i'm i'm glad that we're not focusing on his uh, salary for a while he's doing awesome yeah um so my weekend takeaway uh we can get into this um curious to hear your guys' thoughts too it's basically on um the boston bruins have just been so impressive and i know it looks like i'm cherry picking because they have the the league's best record but you remember the offseason conversations right there was no I mean they had to get David Krejci back from the Czech Republic so no one knew um, how he was going to be there was supposed to be no Brad Marchand until at least Christmas same with Charlie McAvoy it looked like Patrice Bergeron was going to retire last year hugging everybody after they lost out in the postseason you know Jake DeBrusque had a, a, a trade request that wasn't granted they don't have a great prospect covered things just look really bad 
and they look unbelievable. Hampus Lindholm is uh, is having a career year. They already have Marshawn back, who looks better than ever. McAvoy comes back last week. Bergeron looks renewed. DeBrusque is, you know, the, the, the trade request is off the table. David Pasternak is trying to get a contract and getting paid. Um, they're unbelievable. And, you know, the team they beat yesterday, they just pound the Vancouver Canucks. And I just find it amazing. So, uh, you know, working in in Vancouver for a bunch of years, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting fan base, that's to be sure. And basically the whole city, the whole city has PTSD basically because in 2011 and then 2012 as well, but 2011 specifically, the Canucks were the best team in hockey, the Sedins and Kessler and Luongo, uh, Kevin Bieksa, and uh, they rolled over everybody and then got to the final against an underdog Bruins team and lost in seven. And uh, the city of Vancouver, here we are, more than a decade later, they've never gotten over it. So Vancouver's gone through like two or three rebuilds in that time. Yesterday, they get absolutely pounded by guess who? The same freaking guys. <laughs> David Krejci, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron. Like the Sedins and Luongo went into the Hall of Fame this weekend. They've been retired for five years. And the Bruins' best players are still their best players. That's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. The culture in um, Boston is phenomenal for this team. They've got so many weapons. They're having a phenomenal year, and I think they continue to have it. I cannot see this team really slipping. Unless we see a couple big injuries coming in here, I cannot believe what they've done so far. Can't believe how much they've stepped up offensively as well, not just known as that defensive team like we've seen them in the past. What are your thoughts on them, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I was in a weird position with Boston coming into the season where I had predicted them to miss the playoffs. And it wasn't necessarily a factor of like, oh, I don't think they're going to be very good. It was just all the things Andrew talked about. I mean, looking like Bergeron was going to retire, you have some of your big guys in Marchand and McAvoy who were going to miss significant parts of the season. You got to basically hope, and it wasn't necessarily like banking on Swayman not being able to do what he did last year, but it was like, hey, can this guy do it again? Can he continue that? And so I was kind of thinking these guys might be in a position where they would be out of it for a while. Then when you get some of those pieces back, they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot. And then before those guys even came back, it was just never even a question. They immediately started the season strong, and getting those guys back was just the easiest acquisitions they could have ever made by adding... Brad Marchand and Charlie McAvoy, who's maybe one of the best defensemen in the NHL right now, right back into your lineup. And then they just take a step forward from even how they were already playing, being one of the best teams in the NHL. It was just, I just didn't know that they were, I mean, I predicted wrong, like hand up. I predicted wrong ahead of the season. I thought that they were going to take a step back, be a little bit older, slower, and be hurt by some of these injuries. It was never the case. And then adding these guys back has just pushed them even farther up the rung uh, amongst the NHL. Culture is a bit of an overused buzzword because uh, it's easy to look at this and be like, hey, man, that's the Bruins culture and next man up. And, you know, much like, I don't know, the, the Toronto Raptors do as well. It doesn't matter who's in the lineup. They they win 45 to 50 games. Um, but I also look at, you know, at the standings right now, you know, it's a good culture. Pittsburgh, Washington, St. Louis, yeah. Nashville, all these teams are off to miserable starts. So, you know, I think we can sometimes cherry pick that word culture, but whatever it is, the, the Bruins have it. Um, the goaltending has been good. I mean, they even have an a injury at goaltending who comes in on the weekend. Uh, Keith Kincaid, no big deal, you know, allows yeah. one goal and, and beats the Buffalo Sabres. Um, put it this I way, Jim, Jim, Jim Montgomery right now is a uh, runaway leader for coach of the year. I'll say that. Yeah. And 
I mean, even when you're talking about DeBrusque, uh, his trade request, and then how that was basically taken back, and he's like, all right, I'm fine to stay here. You also have to kind of analyze like what went on with the coaching because all the rumblings, or a lot of the rumblings coming out of there was that it was had like it had to do with Bruce Cassidy, and some of that even had to do with Krejci leaving and then coming back and stuff. I mean, he said no, that wasn't the full reason. I need time to think and wanted to go and be with his family and stuff. But like the second Bruce Cassidy is gone, these this guy comes back. Jake DeBrus trade request is gone, and then Jim Montgomery comes in here and just basically says like all right guys i've seen what you can be i've seen what you were before let's just find that again and he's been able to get that out of them so yeah it's just maybe sometimes hey you mentioned the culture is an overused word sometimes but maybe he was just able to reinstill a different type of culture within the culture that was already established in boston to be able to say like let's have some fun again here let's let's enjoy playing hockey and enjoy going to the rink well, and you know, it's crazy if, if we were to, again, you don't hand out the awards in November, I get it, but Jim Montgomery, probably coach of the year, and Hampus Lindholm would probably be a Norris finalist right now, which is crazy, and they get McAvoy back, and right now one of the talks of the town in Boston is Connor Clifton. They love this guy, and all of a sudden they have another really good guy in that blue line, just, you know, uber, uber impressive. Um, so we can all agree that, you know, Boston is not going to get Connor Bedard, but when you look at the standings, and here we are, you know, 15, 20 games in, what are the teams to you or is there a team, Joe, that that bad start is clearly just going to turn into a bad season? Because if there was ever a year to be intellectually honest about where you're headed, you know, and Columbus obviously is one of those teams, Zach Rowinski's yeah. now out for the year. Uh, if there's ever a year to say, hey, this is not going to be our year, what can we do to give ourselves the best chance possible at, at Connor Bedard? What, what team or teams is kind of, shifting into that mindset for you you know what there's a couple like you said the columbus blue jackets come to mind right away the ottawa senators come to mind right away and then i think the st louis blues i know that they started getting some wins here but i really don't see this team going as deep as they should i really expected and hoped for more out of the blues this season but i don't see it happening here i really think they're gonna struggle as we continue to go on and i don't see them stepping up offensively enough to make a run this season. The Blues are really interesting, and, and you know Doug Armstrong does a good job of at least recognizing where his team is and whether he should buy or sell. Zach, I know you had thoughts on, on the Blues going forward too. Yeah, see, the Blues to me are in a weird spot themselves because we've seen it uh, here in Toronto a lot prior to all these young guys getting here. And I, I mean, I know it's been seen in Vancouver, which kind of leads to some of the problems that they have right now, but it's like... You end up in that spot where where Joe's saying like you started off bad, you start picking up some wins, and then you kind of finish in no man's land. So you're basically out of a playoff spot, but not in a great position for the best draft picks or the highest up draft picks. And that's kind of where the, I feel like the Blues could be because they're just going to be one of those like middle ground teams who aren't going to be able to get into that playoff spot because I just it just doesn't look like they're going to be good enough. And then you're also looking at this team where. You have some expiring contracts on some older guys who could have some big value come uh, come trade deadline and Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko. So if you're sitting in that boardroom in, uh, in St. Louis, you kind of got to make the decision about what you want to be this season and what you want to make of it because you will have also re-upped on some contracts here. Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, um, 
Justin Falk, Tory Krug, like you've brought these guys back. They're obviously going to be core pieces moving forward, but now you got to kind of make that decision as hard as it may be, like what goes on around them. And so I think that they might be in a position here where they've got to reevaluate what this season in particular will be and then make moves based on that where it's like, hey, this could be Ryan O'Reilly's last season wearing wearing St. Louis Blues uniform. You're right. I mean, he he's the really interesting one because he's a guy going into UFA, like you said. Um, every team that wants to make a playoff run would want to add Ryan O'Reilly and would pay a hefty price to do it. And guess what? Ryan O'Reilly would be great for all those teams. And it's interesting how things come full circle because how did the St. Louis Blues get their cup? Well, basically, it was by picking up Ryan O'Reilly in the deal with the Buffalo Sabres. I know everybody everybody crushed the Sabres at the time, but you know who the Sabres got for Ryan O'Reilly in that deal? Tage Thompson, who is unbelievable right now. So um, the Blues could you know, potentially get another Tage, Tage Thompson of their own in swinging a deal like this if they, if they decide that, uh, that this season is, is not theirs. It's going to be really interesting to watch for sure. Yeah, and we've seen teams before where like they go from, hey, last season was a really bad season to all of a sudden next year they're competitive and then next year they're in the mix. Like it's not out of the realm of possibility to be able to have that where it's kind of a re it's not necessarily a rebuild, but it's like a retool and you just do it on the fly. You do it as things are going to be able to say like this season isn't the year, but next year, let's go back and let's do some things because we can make some moves right now that it can help us next season. And let's not put ourselves in a position to just get nothing out of this year where we're not going to make the playoffs and we're not going to get a good a, a good opportunity at a lottery pick. And then we're just going to be sitting here scrambling next season. Like You can make a commitment one way or another without drastically hurting your team for seasons to come. Well, and this year, it's not like Connor Bedard is unbelievable. And even if you finish last, you have a 20% chance of getting it. Yeah. But it's not just about Connor Bedard. This year's draft class is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and anywhere in the in the lottery, you're going to get a, a potentially a franchise-changing player. So that just increases the likelihood of some teams saying, hey, maybe this isn't our year, whether that's St. Louis or Vancouver or uh, Columbus. All right, so let's get to uh, our best bets and best prop bets tonight. Uh, not a crazy night on the NHL. We're looking at four games. we got the Senators-Islanders. Uh, Flames host in the Kings, Hawks home to the Hurricanes, and a rematch of last year's playoffs, the Avalanche home to uh, those St. Louis Blues that we've been talking about. So, uh, Joe, let's start with you. What's your favorite uh, player prop tonight? Yeah, so I'm looking at the matchup between the New York Islanders and the Ottawa Senators. I've got to take Brock Nelson here of the Islanders for his shots on goal. We can get it over two and a half. It's a little juiced at minus 140, but I do like it. He's had 55 shots on goal so far this season in the 16 games. So he's averaging just under 3.5 shots on goal per game. In his last game out versus the Columbus Blue Jackets, he was absolutely on fire. He got 10 shots on goal. Well, I don't think he gets that many. I definitely think he comes out strong strong versus his Ottawa Senators team that is just allowing way too many shots on goal at 34.1. So take Brock Nelson over two and a half shots on goal. Yeah. 10 shots. I hope you had Brock Nelson in the, in DraftKings this weekend. I'll say that. Uh, Zach, Zach, you got a prop. Uh, yeah. Um, gonna actually give you credit for this one. You helped me out with finding this one. This is the Miko Ranton and over three and a half shots on goal. You can find this one plus 130 on most books. That was like one of the most widely available numbers. Um, 
the Blues have been giving up a lot of shots. Basically, they're just going to play into the Blues giving up a lot of shots. And Miko Rantanen has been consistently putting up three-plus shots in each of the games that he's been playing in this season. So just factoring those in and the fact that you can get a nice plus-money number on this one, I'll take Miko Rantanen over three-and-a-half shots on goal, plus 130. Yeah, I, I like that, and I, I think this game is full of offense. I'll get to that in a second. My favorite player prop... Um, the number one, that's a little different because he's not going to have to go against Matthew Kachuk running around the ice anymore in Calgary. But Drew Doughty has always had a burr in his saddle when he's played the Calgary Flames. You know, scored the big overtime winner there last year. Um, and so I like a Drew Doughty without having to deal with the Matthew Kachuk stuff for an anytime point in Calgary tonight. He's minus 116. So a little bit of juice there, but I like a Doughty anytime point against the flames not a huge play for me but i like uh i like building into the narratives a little bit so that gives me a little entertainment tonight watching the the flames and the kings and joe you know it you know it doughty's gonna get a point tonight against your flames he always does i hate when the kings come to town that's for sure it is definitely always a hard game for the calgary flames when they do uh it's edge work on the hammer betting network okay let's get to our best bets your favorite line or uh total from tonight joe Yeah, so I'm actually looking at the LA Kings and Calgary Flames game. I've got to go under this number of six. I know it's scary with what these offenses are able to do, but we look at Calgary, they just haven't been getting that offensive production, scoring three or less goals in eight of their last 10 games. We look at these defenses, and while they haven't been phenomenal, um, they have been allowing goals, but I think between Jonathan Quick and Jacob Markstrom coming out in goal, this one stays under that total. I really like what we've seen out of Quick so far this season. I'd be looking at his save shots on goal. I was going to give that out as a prop bet, but I couldn't find it because we know Calgary is bombarding the net with shots. They're just not making them sink. They're only averaging 2.93 goals per game on the season. I think this one stays under. We got a Western Conference battle. It's going to be a hard-hitting one. Give me the under six. Zach, what are you on tonight? Uh, right now I'm liking Carolina minus one and a half against Chicago. It is in Chicago, but right now it's looking like Antiranta and uh, Peter Mrazek are expected. I mean, I got to see firsthand all year last year, uh, the wonders of Peter Mrazek and what he can do for a team. And there's a reason the Chicago Blackhawks were so willing to pick him up. I think like Chicago is not a good team and they're trying to be bad. And part of the thing that you can get out of this is like that team is a team that's going to have some energy. They're trying to have some fun despite being bad, uh, but they're going to put up an effort and be in games. And that's typically one where you can win if the team is going to try to outskill you on the other side because that team is just going to be hungry. Like Chicago is just going to be hungry. I don't think Carolina is a team that is going to give into that kind of stuff. I think Carolina is a team who, when they go up against another team who's going to try to out effort them, they're going to bring it right back because when you've got Rod the Bod on the bench coaching you, he's not going to let you get outworked. So no matter what happens, and that team in Carolina is a team that's just built on winning as a team. They don't have like a superstar guy necessarily. So they have to do it as a unit. Uh, Then you're just kind of looking at some of the numbers here. Carolina allows the second least shots on goal in the NHL, whereas the Chicago Blackhawks are third last or fourth last in the NHL in terms of giving up shots. And Peter Mrazek in net 3.2 GAA and 8.95 save percentage against a good Carolina team. I think you've got the opportunity for Carolina to have a lead for at least most of this game. And then we've seen empty nets being scored in the NHL at a very high rate uh, this season and last season. So 
if Carolina is in the lead come late into the game, if they're not already up by two or more, I think Chicago gets uh, pulls pulls the goalie and Carolina is able to find an empty net. So I'm going to take minus one and a half plus 120 in Chicago here for the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, I, I like that a lot, actually. And Carolina's so good at, like you said, they're big, they're physical, they wear you down. Uh, so third periods, you know, I think we saw this against uh, the Oilers on, uh, I think it was Thursday. It was a tight game until the third. And then finally, Carolina just broke through and added like three goals in the final seven minutes. So, you know, that's how it goes. Yeah. Uh, my best play tonight, I'm going to be on the over between uh, the Avalanche and Blues. The number is uh, six and a half. And, uh, um, uh, you know, I, I mentioned this was a, a, a rematch of the playoff series last year. And uh, that six-game playoff series, they averaged about seven goals a game. They put up nine or ten uh, in a couple of those games as well. Um, these two offenses just went back and forth. I think my only hesitation would have been, you know, with the Blues, they just weren't scoring the goals early on this season. But all of a sudden, like, they've won a couple in a row. They put up five the other night. They get Buknevich back in the lineup. So, you know, they're going to have to score to try to keep up with Colorado. Um, and we know kind of the Blues to be like this lockdown defensive unit. They're not there. They're giving up 35, 36 shots a game. So um, I like a higher scoring game tonight. Um, and again, these two teams, when they played each other over the last couple of years, they've gone over this total six of the last seven times. Like all these all these games are high scoring when they meet up. So I'll I'll just wager on that trend to continue tonight. Are you guys missing the totals of five at all? We have how many fives have we seen come out this season? Oh, oh Maybe one. <laughs> yeah, crazy. not not a lot. They're all six and a half. We're starting to see sevens right now as well yeah. in the NHL. So, well, so numbers that have disappeared too have been the uh, the first period overs one and a half. Like those are you're you're scrambling to find those, and when you do, they have so much use on top of them. Like you're looking at like minus one forty on the over one and a half. Um, most of them are sitting at like over two, under two, basically for the first periods now. So even that one has just kind of disappeared. Yeah. And this over six and a half Colorado, St. Louis, a little bit of juice, but minus one to three. So pretty close to even money. So I'm happy with that. And I, you know what, I might even parlay it with, uh, with, uh, your pick Joe and, uh, and also the hurricanes, uh, puck line tonight. So my Monday is, uh, is planned between that and, uh, and Monday night football. Uh, all right, you can catch us uh, every Monday here on Edgework at 10.30 Eastern. Edgework, uh, watch it on uh, the Edgework YouTube channel as well. Uh, every weekday with uh, different hosts, including uh, Zach himself on Thursday and Friday. Also on the Hammer Betting Network, don't forget, tonight it's prime time. Uh, getting you ready for the uh, Monday Night Football game beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern, about 15 minutes, uh, getting uh, with uh, some best bets with Rob Pizzola and uh, Eric Eager. All right, for uh, Joe and Zach, I'm Andrew Walker, host of the Hedge Podcast. Uh, you can find it on uh, thehedgepod.com. This has been Edgework on the Hammer Betting Network.